Welcome to the Get the Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, and I'm coming to you from the Ocean Shores Get the Knack podcast studio here in Washington State. And I'm joined by a very special guest. She's making her second appearance on the program, one of the very few to make more than one appearance on the show. She is an up-and-coming stand-up comic out of Ohio. She's the fastest quip in the Midwest. Please welcome back to the program, Jody McDermott. <laughs> Oh, hi. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> so who writes your intros? Do you? Do you write your intros for your stand-up shows? Or I mean, I can write My your intro, intros. Oh, no. I usually just tell people because they're like, okay, so what should I say about you? I'm like, eh, say whatever the hell you want. I'll go with it. <laughs> so it gets interesting sometimes. Now, in the intro, I forgot to tell you that you, to introduce you as a one-time leg lamp. <laughs> that's yeah that that my uh my crowning moment was when i was uh small enough to fit inside a uh an actual (laughs) with with no spanks so that's amazing (laughs) right well here that's a true story i know it's a true story and it's funny it seems like everywhere i would go in california before moving to Washington, there was always a leg lamp in a window somewhere. And I'd find, I'd take a picture and I'd, I'd text it to you and, and you'd acknowledge <laughs> it and we'd move on. But that, that whole leg yeah, lamp thing. When I die, I just want to be made into a human leg lamp. Or you could be buried with one. Buried in one. I'll okay. be a All right. cremains. <laughs> I, I don't know. That'd be kind of expensive though. I mean... To do that, but yeah, they'll do. They'll but do. even after death, I'd still have a leg to stand on. Very true, very very yeah. true. And and give gives, it to my children. Gives all yeah. new meaning to break a leg. It would, right? Because that's what that they would tell be you. the worst. But that would be the worst pinata ever, too. Because if you break the leg lamp, then my remains fall out. Well, they're taking they're taking uh, people's um, cremated remains and turning them into diamonds now. I don't know if you saw that. I have seen that. that I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't either. I don't either. And, you know, you see these things on Shark Tank and you're just like, that's a different level of creepy. And I write creepy. And and Well, how would you feel, though? It's like, oh, you know, your beloved gives you a ring and you find out that it's made out of his mom. <laughs> I think I'd react just the way I just did. Uh, <laughs> right yeah. it's not, like it's not the um the ancestors jewelry being passed down from generation to generation oh. it's actually your your relative yeah it's actually you know grandpa who fought in world war ii where did we take the turn off onto the dirt road jerry that's a very uh-huh. very good question jody i have no in this idea. podcast Oh, in the podcast. I thought you were talking about just in general. Yeah, we, we did. Well, we, in general, but we took a hard left turn. and we. <laughs> it didn't yeah. take long, did it? Okay. No. So here on the Get the Neck <laughs> podcast, alcohol is always encouraged. Uh, mm-hmm. I have uh, I have the uh, Jameson Stout Edition along with uh, something uh, by a brewery called Elysian. It's called uh, uh, Dragon Snout. Uh, oh yeah, it's a it's a very dark stout beer. Um, usually, usually that's the the mo for the Get the Knack podcast is usually whiskey and a beer. So, what are you drinking tonight, Jody? 
Oh well, I will, let me let me describe it to you from the uh, from the from the shoes up. In a beautiful um, Hogwarts crest um, beer glass. It's very thick. It's very cold. I've got two giant ice balls, and wrapped around them like a beautiful alcoholic hug is a white Russian. Very nice. Mm -hmm. That might be the first time a a white Russian has been consumed on this program. Mm. Yes. We discovered... I will never say "niet" to a uh, white Russian. Right? All right. Just "niet" like to this. a lot of other Russian things. Mm-hmm. Um, we discovered a, a a new thing that I'd never had before uh, this past winter. Ooh, what's that? Hot buttered rum. Ooh, I've never never had it. Neither had we. And we uh, would sit outside. We actually had a white Christmas. We'd sit outside as the snow fell and play a little Christmas music, get something going in the in the fire pit, and and enjoy hot buttered rum. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, especially when you're doing that and the sound of the ocean is in your backyard. So, oh, you know, that's the, amazing. The last time you were on the show, we did it poolside. Now I'm almost oceanside. So. You know, dang, and I'm still lost in middle America. That that's a common expression. I know, right? So one of the reasons uh, I wanted to uh, have you on the show and chat with you the last time we talked, um, you know, you were doing open mic nights and you were occasionally getting on a bill here and there. It seems like as a stand up comic, you've been getting on the bill a lot more often, and I know COVID got in the way of maybe a, an either even faster ascension but it does seem like the uh, the stand-up career is um, even a, uh, achieving vocation status as opposed to hobby it's you know it's it's starting to i um last well i at the end of last year well no see i'm missing a year because you know we've been doing the the pandemic for a couple of years and um at the end of 2019 from October to the end of the year, I had booked weekends up until the end of the year. And then everything got canceled when the world shut down. And, um, I was just starting to, to get, um, steady paid comedy work. And then it all went away for a while and it it is starting to slowly come back. And now, I mean, sometimes it's just like, what? Okay. So I'm, I have imposter syndrome really bad, as I think most people who are creative do. It's like, why do people keep calling me? Because I don't think I'm that funny. But, um, I mean, people are asking me to be on shows and stuff, and I that's a great compliment when somebody says, hey, you'd be perfect for this show, and so I'll, you know, I'll take it. And, you know, the three figures I'm bringing down uh, a year in comedy, it's amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I you know, can live independently wealthy until next Tuesday at ten forty-seven p.m. Boy, that's oddly it's specific. Um, mm, yeah, you've got it measured out. Well, you do work in banking. <laughs> you do work in banking, so you do that. I, well, I did. I don't work in banking anymore. Got a new job. Uh, what are you doing now? Um, actually, I am a I'm a career counselor, and I help. Uh, uh, hook people up with employers and I help people become gainfully employed and self-sufficient. It's almost real. Life. It? It's almost like real yeah. life satire, isn't it? 
you as a career counselor? It is really. That was, it was um, almost as funny as when I um, was a bank teller right out of high school and uh, my seventh grade algebra teacher was too afraid to have me do his finances because he knew I was terrible at math. <laughs> that was that was a real conversation. He's like, oh, Myers, you're going to do my banking. Like, I am. It's like, yeah, you can't. You're not a good math person. Well, there's that, ex- <laughs> well, there's that expression on brand, right? That's that's not on yeah. brand for you. That's that's like, No, it's not. You as, play, mo- you as epitom- a lot of things are not. Right. You epitomize playing against type. <laughs> I, I think I do. I mean, I. it was funny because for a long time, nobody believed that I, I worked for a credit union <laughs> with a negative and, uh, credit score. Oh, I, hey, I have <laughs> my credit score looks great in my jeans. Can I just say that? Right. I've got a good credit score. Here's a, here's the thing though. Right. <laughs> as we, as we, as we talk about that. So that kind of thing, because you're the type of person that probably, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how far back it dates, but I, I do know in the time that I've known you, the people have always said, Jody, you're really funny. You ought to go into stand up comedy. Jody, you know, you, you engage in this, this witty repartee. You should do something with it. And a lot of people are, have probably been told that and either never did anything with it or tried and, and flamed out miserably how did you go from being told you were funny to actually crafting an act? That's what I want. Um, well, I really, I really think I've been, I'd say for probably the last, probably for the last 30 years, I've been doing free shows in living rooms and not really realized that I've done it. I've headlined the finest living rooms all over them. Um, I, uh, I'd agree with that. <laughs> um, I, I've well, been to some I, of those. I've been to some of those shows. <laughs> been to some of those private shows, yeah. Um, but really, I um, the first time I ever did I ever tell you about the first time I did stand up. I don't think you uh, detailed the first experience. Okay. Well, the since you know my my beloved is a firefighter, and um, they were having a firefighter fundraiser, and um, I was with some of the the girls um, who are my friends that were on the ladies auxiliary. And um, I'm pretty agreeable to most things after two glasses of wine. And um, I was about waist deep in a really nice California Merlot. And um, they're like, Hey, we want to have this fundraiser. And so why would you do stand up comedy? I'm like, Oh, sure. You know, so fine, whatever. So then, um, a couple days later, my friend calls me and she's like, okay, so yeah, you're going to headline this show. And I'm like, mm, no, 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 I'm not. I was just kidding. Did you, yeah. And did she, you remember agreeing to this? Oh, well, I remember, I kind of, but I was like, I didn't think she was serious. And so then she's like, oh no, I'm deadly serious. And so I said, you know, I, no, I, I can't do that. And she said, well, if I would find, if I would get an actual comedian, would you headline or would you open? And I said, yeah, I could do that. So, um, and I thought, well, if my jokes are terrible, I'm at least going to wear this lampshade as a skirt. So people will laugh at my outfit. And if they're not laughing at my jokes. And so the first time I ever did it, I mean, I had, I had all my jokes written down on 
on index cards. And so I was pretty much just like reading my material because I was terribly nervous. And um, gosh, I don't even remember how, how many people were there, but it was, it was a lot uh, 99% of the people in there were people that I knew from the fire department. And I think if, if you've ever done any public speaking, which I know you have, it's much more terrifying to do it in, in front of a group of people that you know, mm. because it's like, Ooh, if I bomb, I'm going to have to kill myself because everybody's going to remember. Yeah. You're never going to, you're never <laughs> going to live it down. I'm never going to live that. Everybody in this room is going to remember exactly the day that my life was over. And then, and, the, um, and then the firefighter Hoi Paloi will excommunicate yes. you. Yeah. And so, um, so there's a comedian and he, he is out of Michigan. His name is Sal D'Amelio. And um, so he, he came and he's like, Oh, great to meet you. How long have you been doing comedy? I'm like, well, in 10 minutes, it'll be my first time. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, great. And I know he was just shitting over it, you know? And so, but after it was over, he's like, you know, for being your first time, that was okay. And, um, that was a pretty good reendorsement. I saw it from an actual fan because he said I was, he was prepared for a train wreck. And actually just a few months ago, um, in November, we did a show again together. And so that was really fun to get back together because he's like, yeah, I can't believe I saw you on your very first time that you ever did it. Um, and so then, I mean, you know, and then you get to think, all right, well, do people think that am, am I really funny or is it just the people that know me who can picture this dumb thing that I did or that know the backstories and that's why it's so funny. And so then I thought, well, if I'm going to try it out, then I better go to an open mic where I don't know anybody. And, um, so then that's what I did. I went, um, and signed up at Wiley's in Dayton and, um, I have never done drugs before. Uh, it has to be, it had to be what it was like to do drugs for the first time because I was like, Oh my God, I am terrified and exhilarated. And I can't wait to do it again. And I don't remember. And I remember freaking out. I remember getting up there, couldn't see anybody because the lights were really bright. Um, and it's hard when you can't make eye contact with anybody and it's, it's just you in a dark room and it looks like no one's there. And then if, um, if you can't hear people laughing, but they are, but you just can't hear them. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just kind of crazy, but, it's, um, but yeah, I liked it and it was fun. And, um, uh, sometimes, you know, people say that they can relate to my jokes. I don't really, I don't do real dirty jokes. I like the, like the double entendre kind of things or the misdirection. Um, the, the, stuff example, that, the stuff that makes you think. Well, or that you think it's dirty, but it's not going to be dirty. Sure. Like I was talking about, you know, one time I, I would rather have um, unsolicited duck picks slide into my DM instead of dick pics because I don't like Richard Nixon. <laughs> Um, just I like dumb it. stuff. You I know? like it, but, the, but there's a there's a nuance and a subtlety to to that, right? Yeah. I mean, th oh. there's there's the the punch you in the face with it, but there's a nuance mm -hmm. to it where it's almost like a joke that has two parts to it, right? Right? It's like right. it's oh, like yeah. it's like when I was a kid and I watched Mash on television, I I got the slapstick but I didn't get the mm -hmm. political humor or the, you know, the, the actual witty uh, comedy that went with it. 
um, until I watched it years later as an adult and I was better informed, more well-read. I got the, I got the second part of the joke. Right. Right. So let me ask you this, Jody, because you know, you are also a writer and an editor. Did you ever have that imposter syndrome when you were writing? Oh, always. Really? Always. Yeah, I think it's just the, I I don't know. This is a lot to unpack while I'm drinking, Jerry. Um, <laughs> well, we did take a wrong turn, and there's and there's some cabin in the woods that, that that's up ahead that, that we might want to stop mean, and check out. And... But, I mean, I, I have always, I don't know if it, who knows, it could just be, you know, growing up. And just never thinking, you know, just feeling self-conscious of thinking, oh, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do that, or I'm not good enough to do that. And but that was um, beaten into us as kids, right? Right. I mean, our generation, right. you know, anytime we aspired to do anything, it was no, you can't do that. Right. No, you're you're not funny, or you're not this, or you're not that, or you can't do that. Um, right. And then some of us who were bullheaded enough to just freaking say, well, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, you know, we, we carve out a, a modicum of success and, you know, some of us have been writing for 30 years when people told us we couldn't write. So, mm-hmm. uh, I look at it that way when it comes to stand up comedy though, I'm i I'm a big fan, always have been, mm-hmm. uh, going all the way back to, to the eighties and, and you grow up, you know, watching shows when, like, on the comedy channel when there was actually comedy. It right, was, you know the the thirty to thirty minute shorts, and the, that's where I Comedy Central presents, it. and yes, but even before that, right, shows like the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson were mm-hmm. showcases, and then David Letterman right. later on, right, were showcases right. for for up and coming stand up comics. And we were talking before I hit the record button about this. You know, those of us of a certain age remember a show called Real People, and mm-hmm. there was a guy on this show named Byron Allen. And, mm-hmm. and Byron was the youngest stand-up comedian ever on the Johnny Carson show, as I, I slur my words. Yeah, I had alcohol. no idea. <laughs> no, I had no idea either, right? I found out on CBS Sunday Morning. And this guy is a media mogul. He owns TV stations, TV networks, and he's even trying to buy the Denver Broncos football team. And Byron Allen started as a stand-up comic. Now, we all kind of those of us who are fans of stand-up comedy, we we have those we like and, and that we followed over the years and we've seen when we were kids and, and the new ones that have come up lately. Are there any that you look at and say, wow, they've got it figured out or I, I'd, I'd like to be like that person or I'd like to have that kind of success? Is there anybody that you either emulate or idolize or... Or, or do you operate in a vacuum? I don't mean operate a vacuum. I mean operate in a vacuum. <laughs> well, because I am a subservient wife, that um, I do everything my husband says, I do run a great vacuum. Um, no Roombas but, for you? No no robot no. vacuums? Uh, no, thank you. I like to do it the old-fashioned. I like the analog models. Fair enough. Do. Um, Fair yeah. Enough. Um but um no it's you know they say don't ever be the second best whoever be the first best you right and i think you know with comedy it's all subjective and you know i i cannot tell you 
I have so many, just depending on what mood I'm in, that that it's like listening to music. You know, you've got your favorite musicians for the moods that you're in. I think the same way it goes for me with comedy. There are so many different comedians that I like. Um, I can't, I just can't even name them all. Um, but I mean, you know, obviously you like, okay, I can't go out and do Chris Rock jokes. I can't go and do, um, you know, they, you have to, with, with well, Chris comedy, Rock can't do Chris Rock jokes. Well, but you know what I'm saying? No, I mean, no, not, I, I mean, if, no, if I yeah. came out, I, I know I, you, if it's your, the audience knows if you are not being authentic. The audience can tell if you are telling a joke that is that is true to you, you know. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I, I just don't, you know, every you develop your own kind of persona. Mine is just kind of like sarcastic mom. Um, you know, I'm just kind of awkward, and it it works for me. <laughs> well, th you said it, right? It's that authenticity, yeah. right? You have to be you, yeah. right? You yeah. you have to bring those Midwest sensibilities well, it, because you're not from New York. You're not from L.A. You're not from no. Chicago. You're from middle America. You're from well, Ohio. And it's weird, though, because I don't feel like I'm that much different on stage and off stage. And and there's I'm, that authenticity. That's the, I'm the, the same person at church, at work, at you know, just wherever. So I, I mean, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just doing stand up. I'm doing improv 24 hours a day, really. Jody, that's the um, thing. That's why we're all pals because, because it's, it's, <laughs> we're all who we are, right? It's what you see yeah. is what you get from, from Jack, yeah. me, Angie, and you. It's, it's, you know, yeah. right? I mean, we, yes. we've never been anybody who we're not. Right. I never, no. I didn't, I don't understand the imposter syndrome because, you know, as a writer, I never felt like I couldn't write. Right. The question was, could I write a book? Mm -hmm. Um, and published and unpublished ghost written or, or under my own name, I've written seven. So mm -hmm. it, it's, I know I can write. That's not a, that's not a thing for me. Right. I never had the imposter syndrome. But at the same time, it's like, why aren't people reading my stuff? Why why am I having trouble finding success or sales or whatever? It's not that I don't have confidence in my writing ability. It's it's I don't understand the marketing aspect. I don't know how to get people to read my stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I I can kind of understand the the whole thing about am I funny? Am I not funny? Because when I was a little kid. I used to do little impressions, right? You know, Rich Little was huge when we were kids. Right. And so I would go to school and I would do Richard Nixon or, 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 you know, little impressions of, of different, different characters or whatever. Very, I was, I was impersonating Rich Little doing impressions and, <laughs> right. And I get asked to go to classroom to classroom, but I never thought, okay, well, at seven, I have a career in stand up comedy ahead of me. Um, but, when I look at stand-up comics I like, first of all, I like I like comics who can turn a phrase. I like mm -hmm. I like the wordplay, right? So I like yeah. a lot of those those types of comics. I mean, Dov Davidov is one of my favorites, mm -hmm. who's, who's really good at that kind of thing, and and he he's good at that misdirection, right? Mm -hmm. um, from observational comedy, I love Jeff Allen. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a slice of life kind of guy. Um, but one of the guys that I've really, really gotten into the last few years that I really, really like is Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, yeah. Because I grew up with him. I grew right. up in that Italian neighborhood in Rochester, New York, you know, with the with the mall, with everybody who's got the Mr. T starter kit. And uh, I know that guy. I grew up with that guy. And right. so when he talks about the stuff that he talks about in his in his shows, it's like, I can relate. Right? Yes. So when you do stuff talking about growing up in Ohio, the Midwest – Right. That's authentic. That's true to you. Right. So I don't yep. I don't know how you could step outside of that and and still have that authenticity you're talking about. Right. I don't think you can either. Right. It's like you said, you can't do Chris Rock jokes. Well, who can? Right. It's right. You know, I, we saw we saw Paul Mooney and we sat right in front of Paul Mooney and it was like we got it. We understood the jokes. And I'm laughing before he even told the joke. He even told me, he said, don't get ahead of me. (laughs) Right. But yeah, we found out that there's two types of people who go to stand up comedy shows. Those who get it, those who love stand up comedy and research and know the people they're going to go see. Right. We saw Jim Gaffigan on the beyond the pale tour early, early. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And Maria Bamford and John Leguizamo and. Oh uh, yeah. Right. It got into Lewis black a long time ago. Mm -hmm. He's he's my favorite. Right. So when you, when you do that, when you go see Paul Mooney, you know what you're, you're in for and W Kamal Bell opened for him. So it was like, Oh my God, Angie and I are getting made fun of by W Kamal Bell. But, (laughs) But then there was this, this group of people, it was it was three couples, and those are the people you, that just hey, what do you want to do on a Friday night? Oh, let's go to comedy, yeah, right, right. And, and Paul looked at them and looked at us and was like, "Some of y'all get it, and some of y'all don't." And, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was included, right? Here's yeah. here's a guy who wrote for Richard Pryor, and and he's looking at me going, "You get it, you understand." Right. And there was that moment right between me and this this comedy icon. That, you know, I'm not saying it's a thing, but there was that moment. Like, I well, get, yeah. I get him. I mean, cause you, cause you were in on the joke. Yeah. And it was great. And it was like, you know, it was fantastic. And, you know, it was funny cause we told the, the ushers, don't put us in front. Don't put us in front. They put us in front. And there go the white people <laughs> sit in front of Paul Mooney. Uh, you know, the guy famous for, you know, on Chappelle as uh, ask a black guy. Um, yeah. Right. And it's it's really interesting when you grow up on the Richard Pryors and George Carlin's mm-hmm. and, you know, what gets me, what has always gotten me, and I and I really want your, your thought and perspective on this, but they always said women aren't funny. And, right. And I have this, this real issue with that because some of my favorites are women. And, right. and I don't understand that. we, You know, like I said, we saw Maria Bamford uh, made a point to see her. her. Oh, isn't she great with the voices and, mm-hmm. and everything else? Oh, yeah. Right. And and, uh, yeah. and Kathleen Madigan's one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, I'm a little disturbed that she had a relationship with Louis Black. But I know. Hey, I know. I don't quite understand it. Um, they like to play golf together from what I understand. Um, is this a euphemism for something? Yeah, the hole in one. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, so I, I'd like to <laughs> to know your your thoughts on it because you know Amy Schumer kind of has, has really um, 
blown it wide open for a lot of people. Um, but Sarah Silverman before that, and mm-hmm. but but there have been a lot of fantastic female stand-up comics over the years, and even one from your hometown. Right. So, so where where's your head when it comes to being a female stand-up comedian? Well, I mean, it's it it's just so weird. I mean, it it's again a lot to unpack when I'm drinking here. Um, <laughs> in that cabin in the woods where we took the wrong yeah. turn at the start of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the the general consensus is. Uh, females are not funny. Um, I think there are a lot of women who feel the need to be really super um, uh, trashy and really super um, just like really dirty um, to try to keep up with the guys. Um, I... I that's just not the kind of person that I am and you know some people that think that my comedy is just kind of vanilla and pretty PG-13 but I don't care that's who I am um but uh it's and I don't know if it's because some of the women just don't hang in there as much as the guys do I mean I know I know some female comics who have been doing it for 25 and 30 years but, um, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's, there are a lot of guys who don't think that, that girls are funny. And, um, I, you know, I do as, you know, I, every time I go to a comedy club, I feel like it's a, it's, that's my, uh, my class because whether somebody has been doing it for a long time or somebody is just new and coming out, you can always learn something from somebody. You can learn things that you want to do, things that you don't want to do. So it's, it's, it's a good education every time I go to a club. Yeah. It gets me the the whole women are, are not funny thing because when I used to commute, you know, and sit in a car for like three hours a day, I used to listen to Sirius XM mm-hmm. and I would listen to all the comedy channels and, yeah, and you know, there have been female comics, you know, going back to Joan Rivers that are absolutely freaking hilarious. And, mm-hmm. and my favorite, as, as I mentioned, I like the wordplay. I mm-hmm. like, I like a cerebral comic and you know, what's funny about that kind of thing, just not gender specific, but there's even a nuance and a sophistication to Larry the Cable Guy's comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't appreciate right. his politics when he does his own thing and he's not Larry the Cable Guy. But when he's in that character, there is a sophistication to his wordplay that if you listen right. carefully, that's some that's some seriously crafted material. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it's because he, you know, he, he works at it. You've got to spend as if you want to be serious about it, you have to spend a certain amount of time doing, you know, writing and, um, you know, it's, it's just like anything that you, you've got to, if you want to, to get better. I mean, I, you know, and the, the comedy contests and things that you, it's audience vote, um, you know, I, 
I've I've gone to those before just because I liked, you know, I, I wanted to 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 do a show and I wanted to get mic time. But the only person I the only person I feel like you can really compete against is the comic that you were the show before. A hundred percent. You know, just like anything, there there really is. I mean, I there aren't there aren't two comics that have the exact same style, so you can't really say that. You know, you can, it's it's hard to compare it because everybody is is so different, and so it's just you know I don't go out there to try to be better than somebody else. I just wanna I just wanna be a be better than I was the show before. Well, that's all you can do, right? It's like right. You know, it's like when we write, it's like you know you can only write something better than the last thing you wrote, and as as right. people. Right. It, it, you can only be, you can only compete with yourself. Right. Right. And, and that's how it should be all in all things. You know, I agree. That's, that's how it should be in all things. And something you said earlier, right. That, that really resonates. It's like, you, you don't want to be the next so-and-so you want to be the first you. Right. And, you know, you can definitely learn from, from other folks as we were talking about Byron Allen, right? I mean, here's, oh, a, gosh, guy, yeah. here's a guy who, you know, was a stand-up comedian and a TV show presenter. And now he's a multimedia mogul. And I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. trying to wrap my head around this. And more power. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, more power to him, right? Um, you know, when, when you look at stand-up comics in general, right? And, and here's the thing. Not that, not that we, as just human beings, haven't been through the ringer, right? Because we have, mm-hmm. and right. I have, you have, we all have. Um, but you you find a lot of tragedy and personal mm-hmm. personal issues, and and you know the the backstory for a lot of these folks that informs their comedy, right? And, you know, you, you talk about some of these folks, unfortunately, who decided they didn't want to be with us anymore, um, which is which is very, very tragic. But, you know, where it's a long way to get to this question, but where does your comedy come from? Um, things that I think are funny. Uh, <laughs> if I, and a lot of times it's awful. It's kind of a, 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 a twisted sense of humor, but, um, you know, with create, a lot of creative people have, um, have problems with depression and I think it's, um, and I, you know, I've had my struggles with it too. Um, it's just to get, just to get up and talk about something that you think, Oh my gosh, this, I'm going through this. And then people are like, Oh my gosh, me too. And so it's like, it's cheap therapy for one thing. Um, and it just makes you feel like you're not alone. And sometimes you feel, uh, sometimes I feel like, okay, if I've got something I want to talk about, you know, and you can make, you can make sad things funny. And I think that's the irony about it because it's, you know, I, it's, it's funny to me to it's fun to make people laugh at inappropriate things when you should it. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> I was just, a, but it's funny. I was just on a, a program on a friend of mine's uh, YouTube channel. 
uh, mm-hmm. Aaron, Aaron Chapman, and we were examining an American Werewolf in London, which was directed by John Landis, who right. who's a, is you know a very uh, comedic director, and there's a lot of comedy in in the movie, and we were talking about whether or not it was a comedy or a horror movie, and you know my comment was life is funny. So even if you're in these horrific moments in life, something funny is going to happen. Well, you have to find it. I mean, right. you have to either you either laugh or you cry about it. Right. You know? Right. You and- can either. Yeah. So you've got to find you've got to find something. And I think sometimes, you know, you you find a lot of people think, oh, my gosh, why didn't I think of that? Or, you know, you, you find the thing that everybody thinks about, but that nobody says out loud. Right. And, and like this meme, yeah. like this meme you, you shared, uh, on your Facebook, it, you know, it says, if you ask a miss Midwesterner, how are you? And they respond, well, I'm here. Oh, it's going, <laughs> we're living the dream. Send help immediately. It's kind of like when you yes. ask your, your partner, how are you? And it's, I'm fine. Fine. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. There, there's a thing there. Right. They're not fine. You're not, you know. Um, yeah. But the thing of it is, they, they used to call it comic relief. Right. In these serious heavy moments or in a horror film or, or you know, right. a drama. It's like comic relief. But the thing of it is, life is funny. Life has funny moments, even even in the face of tragedy or uh, or hor- horrific moment. Something, you know, maybe somebody, you know, farts. And it's funny. Well, that's why you laugh. I mean, you laugh at funerals. You have to laugh at funerals. You, oh well, you have to, and that's why numerous films have, have you know, had people you know knocking over coffins and. Well, the first three letters in funeral are F U N, Jerry. <laughs> very, very oh. true. I'm still trying to figure out why last last August you you posted this photo from the Three Rivers Distilling <laughs> Company in Fort Wayne that is so freaking blurry. I can barely tell that it's you. Oh, it was it was me and Stuart Huff. It was dark. It was, <laughs> I he was the headliner of the show, and I was so excited I was there. I was just excited to be with Stuart Huff. Right. Um, <laughs> All right. It wasn't about it wasn't about looking good. It was about capturing the moment. It wasn't about the quality of the photo. I got it. No, hell no. It was about the quality of the comedian in the picture with me. God, I think it's more like the quality of the comedian that you are. But anyway. Um, well, you, you just know why I didn't work for Olin Mills and take school pictures from that. Well, yeah, so. it's why you're not working at the Sears Portrait Studio. No, right. for several reasons. <laughs> well, yeah. they, they, there's that, that restraining yeah. order. Um, well, yeah. Right. So you're listening to the uh, Get to That podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Jerry Dag, coming to you from the uh Get to that podcast studio here in Ocean Shores, Washington, and I am talking to the fastest quip in the Midwest, Jody McDermott. <laughs> so, you know, getting back to talking about stand-up comedy in, in general and kind of what was happening before the pandemic and what's happening post, it seems like, um, you know, especially uh, with today's CDC uh, guidance and that kind of thing, and a lot of, a lot of places around the country are, are starting to lift their mask mandates and a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see um, an increase in the possibility of shows for you on the rise? 
<laughs> oh, it has been. You oh, know, it, it, already. It, seemed, it started to, yeah. Yeah. It's been um, for the past for the past few months. Um, I've been very fortunate to have at least two or three shows a month, which I think is it, that's it's pretty good for me. Um, I I um, I will probably always have to have a day job, <laughs> wow. um, and my husband won't let me be a trophy wife. I'm just a participation ribbon wife because everybody wins that way. I'm a trophy uh, husband, uh, but it's a bowling uh, trophy. Mm, well, that's okay. At least you're knocking them. You're knocking those pins down. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I think it's, I just think it's fun. I'm going to write it as long as it, as it comes to me. And when, if, if the day comes and I can't do any shows anymore for whatever reason, or if, you know, comedy starts to go away, then I will be so very happy that I had the chance to do it while I did it. Because it's just, I just think it's really fun. I, I think it's fun. It's not pressure for me because it's not my job. Um, I uh, I think it would be great to be a full-time comic. Um, I also think I would have a lot more anxiety having to do it all the time. Um, I do it just enough to where it's like when I'm done with the show, it's like, oh, yeah, this is why, this is why it's fun. You know, I, I don't have, um, I'm no Burt Crusher. Um, I don't have, um, uh, 57 weeks a year and, um, you know, I'm not, I don't do it every night, but if I can, if I can get out there a few times a month and, and do it. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a good creative outlet for me. I like to, I like the, the joke writing part of it because I, I always like to be writing something and, um, I always carry a notebook. So even if, um, you know, some, a lot of things strike me funny during the day um, and I'll just jot notes to myself and somebody's going to, if my purse ever gets stolen, they're going to think I'm the Unabomber and that's my weird manifesto in my purse. Well, my, um, my excuse for, for what I do is my Google search history. I'm an author. Mm-hmm. I'm an author. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. Goog- just because I Googled how to hide a dead body doesn't mean I'm plotting to kill anybody. I, oh, I know. I had to, one time I was editing and I had to, I had to Google if you shoot somebody in the head, do they fall forward or back? Right. And you, <laughs> you edited my first two books. You know how yeah. many times I had to Google how many pints of blood are in the human body. <laughs> yeah and then you get paula dean's recipe books and right. your cert you know and yeah. their facebook feed and mm-hmm. yeah. and it's all tied together because alexa's <laughs> listening to you mm-hmm. and oh um, definitely i gotta i gotta tell you a funny story you'll you'll appreciate this one so growing up in in new york we had hess gas stations mm-hmm. and, and every christmas hess would come out with some toys and it usually was a gas truck and you put batteries in oh, it yeah. and the headlines were, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Angie about this and next thing you know, on television, we start seeing Hess gas station commercials and this year's edition of the Christmas toys. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Because there are no Hess gas stations in the Pacific Northwest. Very weird. Seriously. Something in this damn house is listening to me and it's not the termites. 
I'm telling you, I, I we unplug ours when we're not listening to it. When we're not playing music on it, because, I mean, every Sunday, Jack goes to the Church of Elvis when he makes his breakfast and he, he plays Elvis gospel music. But... Um, as you, that, as you do, as you do. Yeah, I go, I go to, I go to traditional church. He goes to Elvis Church, and um, I'm with Jack. It's like, actually, yeah. On that one. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> um, you gotta do you, baby. You gotta do you. Um, you gotta but, stop yeah, looking, listen, keep, baby. The, the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't keep it plugged in um, if we're not, if we're not listening to music. Because it is, it is the weirdest freaking thing. Well, my mom, oh my God, this this freaked me out because my mom said she she came home one time and her dog was going crazy. And she said, well, just, you know, just a minute, just a minute. And all of a sudden she heard this voice that said, okay, I'll wait. And she went and unplugged that thing. And it was her, it was her thing. Yeah. So I, it's, it's freaky. So I, you know, mine gives me attitude. I don't know what's going on with, with that one, but yeah, she, she gives me attitude. Um, you know, I, I wanted to talk about this for, for a minute. So we were talking a little bit before the show started about a good friend of mine, Carlos, who used Mm -hmm. to intern for me. And this is where it applies to you. So Carlos got in with uh with some comedy in Los Angeles and he decided to take stand-up comedy routines and turn them into sketch comedy on YouTube and you know what that led to laugh mobs laugh tracks which got picked up by True TV really yeah it was the weirdest thing, and he was telling me about it, and he got in with one of the owners of, I, I wish I knew the name of it uh, or the person, but one of the, the, the top like improv places in L.A., he got in with them, and he, he took people's stand-up acts, turned them into sketch comedy so they would act out what the, the comedy, uh, the comedian was, was talking about on stage, and then this became Laugh Tracks on True TV. And... I've been talking to a lot of folks lately, personally and professionally, that like when we were kids, network TV, the executives, they were the tastemakers. They were what decided what got put on network television. Mm-hmm. They they decided what you what you watched. And now it seems like the audience, the fans have become the tastemakers. Right? They're the ones telling those network executives, this is what we like. This is what's funny. This is what you should put on television. It, it's really interesting because I talked about Byron Allen and the Johnny Carson mm-hmm. show and Tonight Show. What are those avenues now to get somebody's attention if you're a stand-up comic, right? If you don't go on Johnny Carson, because Johnny Carson's dead, obviously. Well, it seems like a lot of people, um, there's a lot of stand-ups that go and do TikTok videos. Mm. Yeah. Um, the TikTok has become huge. Um, now, I'm old, and I don't do TikTok. I like to watch TikTok. I don't want to see myself on TikTok. That to, I, me is like, I, that to me is like having a mirror on your bedroom ceiling. I don't want to see myself more. doing that. I'm Mm-mm. with you. Uh, 
yeah. not for me. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of people that, because it, you know, gives you, um, you get the name recognition when you go on TikTok because you get a, a fan following. Um, I, to me, I think it changes what stand up is a little bit. Um, because you're, I mean, you're doing more of like a, well, you're, you know, you're doing a comedy video. Um, there are people that put their, put their stand-up sets on that, but there are a lot of people who do, who do funny, funny videos that are different from their, um, from their stand-up comedy. So there's a lot of people that, um, that do that. There's a lot of comedy podcasts. Um, I think, you know, there's just a lot of other avenues that are, that are different than just, you know, getting up there on the stage. My friend, Chris, so, so who, who makes a, a monthly appearance on the show once compared me to Mark Marin, which I really, really couldn't, oh, even, yeah. couldn't even, I mean, Mark Marin's one of my favorites and, you know, he has the, uh, the what the fuck podcast and, and yeah. Oh yeah. Know, which is absolutely freaking brilliant. Um, and you know, I, I'm not as neurotic as Mark Marin is, but I God, I hope not. No, God, no. <laughs> right. I mean, he's like he's like the new version of Richard Lewis, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Right. Talk about neurotic comics. Um, but it does seem like a lot of stand-up comics, um, their comedy is informed by by their personal experience, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's growing up, whether it's uh, things that have put them in therapy. Whatever, right. whatever it is, um, and and I do find it fascinating. Like you, you alluded to it, the the joke writing process, mm-hmm. right? and I found that in my novel writing, that you know, trying to write something funny, sometimes it it happens naturally in a scene. Something funny will happen or present itself, but you know, Jeff Foxworthy talks about it a lot. Uh, the, you know, the joke writing process. Right? You'll wake up in the middle mm-hmm. of the night, you'll be in the shower or whatever. When does inspiration hit you? And I don't mean, you know, after like three glasses of wine or, or white Russian. Oh, all, or, the, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, if I, like sometimes I'll, I'll sit at work and um, I mean, I, cause, well, have you ever like been, been trying to remember something and then, um, you know, you have to step away from it for a while and your brain keeps working on it. Oh, like yeah. if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to remember something, I'll go through the alphabet a few times and then just stop thinking about it. And then the little people in my head who are, um, going through all my filing cabinets in my brain, they'll, they'll keep looking. For you it. know what? Bad and, things happen if you don't listen to those people. Mm-hmm, I know. I know. Right. They bur- they burn your office down in your head. Right. But I had um, that happen when I used to run. Yeah. When I, when I was running all the time, I would get these, these ideas for scenes in my story that I was working on. And then mm-hmm. I'd be working on the story and be like, Oh shit. I, I, what the hell I get to that scene in the book and be like, what the hell did I think about when I was out running? And then all right. of a sudden it would come to me and be like, Oh yeah, I got to put this here. Um, oh, there have been times when I've been like at the gym and I've gotten off of the elliptical and gone up to the front desk to ask somebody if they had a pen and a piece of paper because I had I just had this thought that I had to to write down. And, you know, it, it may be something that I don't 
do anything with for a few days or a couple months. But I just, I mean, I have all these notebooks with all these different, you know, funny, funny words or just a, a funny thought about something. And, you know, it's, and if you, tr- you know, you try a joke and then you think, oh, well, wait a minute, let me put a new tag on it or, you know, so that you can, there's a lot of times when I, um, I rework some of my old jokes and, and make them, you know, it's kind of like the, the refurbished, um, the refurbished dresser. That's now a, a really cool bar in your living room. The, the reupholstered couch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Okay. So that yep. leads me to this. So, they they say when when you're writing novels or even memoirs or whatever you're supposed to write what you know right mm-hmm. and my my thought is always you know nobody gives a shit about your life so writing a memoir or an autobiography nobody cares but when you write fiction a lot of life experiences leak into your fiction mm-hmm. and and I had an experience and you've read all three of mine my published novels. Mm-hmm. I had an experience on a path in San Francisco where a couple of uh, women were walking by and they had a Bluetooth speaker and they were blaring Mexican banda music. Um, (laughs) And in the story, in my book, um, my, my vampire main character kills them off because they, 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 these folks pissed me off in real life. Mm -hmm. How many real life experiences or real life people make it into your comedy? Um, well, I try to be very respectful. Now, I do like to tell us jokes uh, about being married, um, because being married is funny. And it's not perfect. And, you know, it's, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's funny because my, some of my family or my people at work, they'll say, Oh my gosh, I bet you're going to tell this on stage. I really don't because I, you know, I don't, there there are some comics that they'll go out and they'll, they'll make fun of the, of the city that they're, that the audience is from, or they'll, you know, bash people that they, and I'm, I, I don't do things like in, in mean spirits. You know, I, there's some, there's some stories that I could tell, but I'm not going to, because I just think that would, I, it would just be in poor taste. Um, because I, you know, I, I really don't, you know, I talk a lot about, um, like my, you know, just being a mom and, and, um, and being a wife and, but I, um, you know, don't, I don't really talk. I, I don't really tell really bad stories about other people. Cause that's just not kind. It's right? just not kind. Have you ever been put on the spot though? Like, like at a social gathering or, mm-hmm. or with, with friends be like, tell me a joke. You're a stand-up comedian. Oh, tell yeah. me a joke. Oh, you're funny. Tell me a joke. You're, you're a comedian. Tell me a <laughs> Yeah. Um, one thing, one thing that my mother-in-law loves to do is she'll say, Oh, I've got something funny for your little act here. Get a pencil. Because <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Right. She yeah. Because that, that, said that on several occasions. Because that helps. Um, and yeah. And yeah, they're not. Um, but no, I don't. I, I try not to. Or if I, if I'm going to tell a story, I don't 
mention who it is. No, no. I, and, and I, you yeah, know, there, there are some, you know, stand up comedians out there who actually will call out who it is. You know, I mentioned yeah. Sebastian Manic Scalco. He talks about his dad yeah. all the time, he talks about his wife yeah. all the time. You know, yeah. but I think a lot of times with observational comedy, it, it's generic to the point where it, it could apply to anybody. It could, it could be anybody because, you know, we, you know, everybody that's married, you know, how, um, you know, certain things happen, you know, your, your spouse doesn't listen to you or, you know, your kids act up. Um, well, one, one joke that I have, um, is about when my son moved to house, moved out and bought his house. And he actually, um, right before uh, the pandemic happened, he bought a house and I said it was probably because he didn't want to spend 14 months locked in the house with me. Um, and he, uh, he bought his house and I said, I was so excited because I couldn't wait to go over to his house and um, plug his toilet and put empty milk cartons back in his fridge and steal money out of his wallet and, um, white boogers on his wall, and then when people there's, start laughing, there's a booger wall, right? And then when people start laughing, then I say, "Oh, I'm just kidding. I don't drink milk." <laughs> you know, so we all know how kids act in the house, and there's a you know. I'm just thinking about the booger wall. I'm like, that's yeah, a thing. Right? Yeah, there. It, yeah, with boy, boys are gross and disgusting. Well, you had to go and have one. Well, I didn't have any choice. That was, a, a, um, I think, um, that's Jack's Jack put the, yeah. he put the chocolate chips in the cookie recipe, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I that's know. his contribution, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. I know. The 15-year-old in the other room playing God knows what video game with his friends. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, oh, yeah. I think for me personally, when it comes to, to comedy, it's the observational stuff that I, I really, mm -hmm. really like, right? Because oh, it's, yeah, me too. It's slice of life. It's it's what mm -hmm. happens to us every day. Again, right. life is life is funny, you know. It's relatable. Everybody lives relatable. You know? Well, until the zombies come. Oh yeah, but then you after live. You know, a friend of mine posted on Facebook tonight. Always lead with love, but still master the throat punch. Sure. So, you know, I, I can get behind that. Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. You know. So it, it's really interesting, you know, when you look at comedy in general, right? I mean, I think mm -hmm. when you look at television comedy, uh, like the, the situation comedy, it's almost as if the art form is, is dying a very, very, very slow death. Um, every once in a while, something good will come along. I blame the reality television for this. Oh, yes. Right. I mean, that one strike that they had the one time led to Survivor and and all these other programs so they don't have to pay anybody scale. Um, right. Right. And, you know, the, the scripted stuff. One of my favorite comics was, was Mitch Hedberg. Um, oh, love him. Right. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. Mitch Hedberg. And yeah. he, ta he talked about one time how... He said, uh, you're a comedian. You should, you should, you know, do a sitcom and you should write a script. And he, and he went through this whole routine about, you know, rewriting and, you know, instead of rewriting, he made a copy. Um, but for stand-up comics, 
you look at the more popular, the more famous, they've all gone to, on to other things, right? Whether it be uh, starring in movies or television shows or that kind of thing. What is the ceiling for Jody McDermott? Is it are you are you going to be happy just doing the the club circuit or the uh, fireman's auxiliary circuit? Um, what what is what is the ceiling for you? Right, I mean, because again, back to the whole you know Carson's not a thing anymore, but mm-hmm. you know, are there are there uh, late night talk shows that are still uh, showcasing comics? What is the ceiling for Jody McDermott as a stand-up comedian? Well, I already made it to the Get the, the Knack podcast. And in my time zone, this is a late night show because it's 10 o'clock right now. Yeah, you're, you're done. Um, you're, you're, you've, you know, you've made it. I am living the high period of life. You've arrived. I have arrived. Um, I, well, like I said, I mean, it, it's fun. It is such a, um, it's a great compliment to me when people reach out to me and ask me if I'll, if I want to do some time on their show. Um, I mean, I, I am just, I'm having fun. I'm, I'm having fun. I like to go out and do it. It's, um, it's fun. I'm doing it just enough to, to just get out there. I really wish that I had time to do it more, but I'm tired and I have a day job and being out till like midnight or one on a work night is I'm tired because I'm old now. And um, I really, what I really need to do is get start a comedy club that, that has their headliner at like five thirty. Um, <laughs> you, think, you think I'm joking? No, I'm not. Joking. I'm not no. I say dress the dress code. The dress code is sweatpants and Crocs. And, and no, oh, no, fuck no, no Crocs, no Crocs allowed. No. Um, sweatpants, jammy pants. There's comfortable. It's it's like you're you're in you're in my living room. You know, it's like five thirty. Oh god, five thirty. You I'm live 30. in your yeah five thirty. You can still be you can be in bed by eight thirty or nine. The early bird your, special is a white. Your Russian. melatonin kicks in. You're just fine. <laughs> um, you know that's but but no I I um I'm just really <laughs> that, that really if that, I could make that happen that would be perfect. That's what got me. Um, I don't all of this yeah. stuff. I, you know what. I, I've I've attended those living room shows and you know it's it's funny because I I when I talk about you as a person it's like you're one of the few people who's ever been able to keep up with me in a witty repartee and and I I often feel defeated after I've gone toe to toe with you right but but that's what got me yeah the comedy club that you know fuck happy hour it's like the the early bird special at 5:30 the headliner right. at 5:30 and you're in bed by 8 yeah you, yes. you're, you're home in time for matlock right yes. it's i <laughs> yes i that is i can get behind that oh yeah. 100% you know, oh, yes. I, I, I'm with you 100%. And yeah, because I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm tired now. 
I mean, I and it, it it's really hard for me because basically this is this is my fourth year. This summer it'll be four years that I've been doing comedy, and I am I am one of the oldest ones out there because I'm you know there are a lot of guys who are like single white guys in their twenties and thirties. Um, I'm fifty two and married, and I don't have time for shit. I'm tired. Well, that's that's just it. We're we're tired at this age, right? Yeah. At, at fifty two, we're tired. We're, I, we're you know, tired. I, like damn, you know, I um, there was a time when I would have rather died than gone out of the house with no lipstick on. Now I could care less. I look like Gary Busey's mugshot. Oh God! And, uh, and nah, it's you, fine. You, you could never look like that, but. You know. <laughs> um, oh, I know. I'm, I, I'm I'm getting a haircut tomorrow, and it's like you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm like seriously, yeah. I I don't know what the hell I look like at this point. It, you know. Yeah, and, and it's just I. You know, I I don't know whether it's I I like getting older because I I you know I still care about what people think, but it's like I. You know, not as much as I did 20 years ago. We shouldn't, and, though. Um, that's that's just no. it. I mean, we're at the point where it's like, look, we are what we are. If you don't like it, goodbye. And Step it's so off. Sad because, you know, I wasted, I wasted a lot. Okay, we're going to unpack some shit here. Yes, let's here. unpack, Joey. Um, because we're, 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 he- we're heading into um, the beyond the hour. Right. Yeah. So now we're heading into the the the, the dark deep stuff. the dark deep you stuff. Know, when I was in my twenties and my thirties, I gave a lot of energy to things that didn't give me the energy back. You know, I wasted a lot of time worrying about people caring about me that probably didn't that didn't and you know, people do not think about you as much as you think they do. And I spent a lot of time worried about things that I didn't really need to be worried about. And I wish that we could all age backwards to where when you're when you're younger, you don't give a shit. You know, right. I wish it was backwards. And because we work, you know, we how many people die right after they retire? Oh, Jesus. You know? I'm that's serious. A, that's a sad statistic. No, you're hundred percent. No, you're hundred percent right. It's serious. You know, you work, you work your life away. You try, you know, it's like nobody ever asks you um, the question that when you meet somebody, it's like, Oh, so what do you do? Not who are you? You know, are you, are you happy? Jody, get out you of know, my head. How, get how out of much my of head. our, how much of our time do we waste by you know oh my god i've got to do this and i have to do this and i have to do this and i've got to keep up with these people you know you i i, I don't know if it's be- because i'm older now and you know my I, my grandma died last at the end of last year well, i wasn't gonna get fall. into all of that and, detail well, when i, I said we'd well, been see? through the ringer well no but what i mean is it's like you um you know it's it's made me really I think a lot about my mortality now and it could just be that my, you know, that I've got less sand in my hourglass. Um, or your shorts. Like, yes, exactly. Um, I do have an hourglass figure, but all my sands in the bottom. Um, but, 
you know, it's like so much time I feel I've wasted it in places that I shouldn't have wasted it and you can't get it back. No, I've had, I've had similar thoughts and you know, the thing of it is I spent and if you spend any time in a, in a job, Mm -hmm. you let the job define you. Well, you do. And I, I, yeah, that's why I, um, I, well, yeah, lots of things happened to me last year. Why do you think um, I wrote you know? books? I got tired of I being know. defined by 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 right. my job or my station in life. It's like I'm more than this. I'm bigger than this. I'm gonna well, try, be, try having a uterus, Jerry. Try having a uterus. I went. You go from being someone's daughter to being someone's wife to being someone's mother, and then all of a sudden your kids don't need you anymore. And who are you? Then you get menopause and hot flashes. <laughs> you don't know what to say to that. You, you have reduced me to, um, yeah, I'm flabbergasted hey. with that. Hey, no, you started it. No, God but, damn it. <laughs> that I did. But no, I, I empathize with that because when you, when you, and we're the last generation that did this, right? That, you know, you work a 20, 30 year job, and yeah. get a retirement, get a pension and all that stuff. You're defined by that position. You're defined yeah. by that job. I was more than that. I was bigger than that. And yeah. that's part of why I wrote books. And that has to be part of why you decided I can do stand up comedy. Well, it was more like, no, it, it's weird because I never, I never once in my life. I mean, I'm kind of, I think I, it's funny because I'm, I'm pretty much a rule follower and people are surprised I don't do drugs. I think I, I don't know what it is about me, but they're like, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you don't have a bunch of tattoos and a nose ring. Well, no, I've got a C-section scar and um, anxiety is what I have. Um, but, but it's like, I, um, I lost my train of thought. I I have the back surgery scar. So that's my, that's my body modification. I I just, I totally lost my train of thought. Went off the rails like Amtrak. What was I, I know. What was I going to say? So people think I'm a rule. Oh no, I know what I was going to say. Okay. Back on track. Um, I, I kind of did it as a dare to myself because I always, well, jokingly, I always thought, well, okay, you know, if I ever get a diagnosis that I have a terminal disease, I'm going to quit my job and and do stand-up comedy and call it my farewell tour. (laughs) And, um, but no, I'm not dying. But I I thought, you know, when I did that stand-up that one time, I thought, oh my God, I can't. Well, after, and after I finished, I went, I got off of the stage and I cried. I was having, I had such a huge adrenaline rush because I thought I cannot believe I just did that because it was, it was terrifying because I don't like a bunch of people. I don't like a bunch of eyes on me. I'm kind of modest. I mean, I, I'm, it's just, I, I'm, I'm since when I, I really, I really am. And people don't believe that about me, but I just, I feel very awkward. Um, but um, it was one of those things and I thought, well, okay, if um, th- all these people, all these people that 
that love me. They, they laughed and they said I was great. Well, okay. Maybe I, I don't think I am. And so maybe I should, I need to get in front of a bunch of strangers. And right. so I just, right. you know, and it's, it's one of those things. Well, and you know what, let me, something else. There, there's a, a book, Shauna Rhymes wrote this book called the year of yes. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of her. Okay. So she wrote this book and, um, she, she is a very much an introvert. She said in this book, I, I, I did durable medical sales for six months. And the best thing that I did when I was driving on the road all the time was get addicted to, um, audiobooks. Mm. Um, as a child, I love to have people read to me and, um, audiobooks is just like, I'm, I'm being indulged all the time because somebody always reads me a story in my ear. And, um, but this book, it just talks about because she was a single mother and she was having a conversation with her sister and her, she said, Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting all these great invitations to do things. And, um, but you know, I'm just too busy. I've got the kids and I, and so her, um, her sister said, you know, you always say no to everything. You always have an excuse. You always say no. And she really got to think about that. And then um, the Obamas sent her an invitation and it said, your presence is requested at some function. And it didn't give her the opportunity to say no. Mm. And she went and she had a fantastic time. And then she got to thinking, she's like, oh my gosh, if I would have said no, then I would have missed out on the spectacular opportunity that I had. And so she decided um for one year to say yes to everything and it just talks about the she's got chapters saying yes to saying no um saying yes to the i mean it's it's a great book and i so i listened to that and i don't know if i felt um because i was not great at gerbils i was not great at sales because i i'm the kind of person that you know it's like hey you know what you need I have it. If you want it, you call me. I'll hook you up. I'm not a hard pressure salesperson. Um, it was not for me. And um, so I don't know if I had hit rock bottom or if I felt very empowered by that book. But I um, emailed the CEO of the credit union and I asked if I could meet with him and I proposed a job for myself and then got it. And that's how I went back to being at Superior with the in the marketing department um and then i thought well wow well if i can make that happen why not just try this and so you know i would rather it, it's it's a better feeling to say okay well i did this and it didn't work out so great than when i'm 80 years old to say oh i really wish i would have done that and i this year i'm i'm trying to be more well, I'm not really spontaneous. I'm 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 really good at being planned spontaneous mm. <laughs> or scheduled spontaneous. <laughs> but I'm trying I'll buy that. to Yeah, it's like I um I I do a lot of things in my life out of what I feel is obligation, but the only person who is a barrier to that is me. So I um I'm trying to be uh, this year, I, I'm trying to be more of 
doing things that I want to do more than I feel like, oh, I have to do this or I need to do this. That's because we're so, we're 52 and old and bitter and we don't give a shit anymore. When I, I know. When I interviewed with the Raiders, my mom, before I could go out to California and do it, my mom was like, don't go. You're, you're going to get your heart broken. You're going to get you know, disappointed the whole thing. And I told her, I said, if I don't go, if I don't do it, I will spend the rest of my life asking my own self, what if? So why not take that flyer? If I don't get it, fine, whatever. Right. But if I get it, then I went for it and I got it. Right. And, and, you know, when it came to writing books, it was basically – I had too many people who said, you can't write. You're not good. And, and, and here I am in February of 2022, Jesus Christ, that I'm, I'm talking about 30 years since I graduated journalism school. Uh And I can honestly say for 30 years, in one shape, form, or another, I've been a professional writer. Mm-hmm. So to all those people who said, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that, my answer to them is, well, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. that ties into what you're talking about. It's like, do what you want to do. If it doesn't work out, fine. At yeah. least you tried it. At least you gave it a I shot, know. right? And, and I need to, that's, but that's like the only, this is the only time that I've done that, that I've taken a risk. And the rest of my life, I'm very cautious. I'm very much a rule follower. Um, well, so well it's like I need the, to, the high school and, and shortly after high school, Jody, uh, really? Well, everybody does dumb stuff. Right? I, did some, I did a lot of dumb stuff, but I'm talking about like, like risks of um putting yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I have always been an extrovert, right? And mm-hmm. I've always been somebody who had to be the center of attention and mm-hmm. uh, this Gen X group I'm in on Facebook, somebody said, "Well, you know, do you remember those days when you know, kids were not allowed to talk in the adult conversation or were expected to sit there and be quiet. I always inserted myself. I was an only child and I always wanted to be in the adult conversation. Always inserted Mm -hmm. myself. Didn't care. What's interesting at this age, I'm kind of both extroverted Mm -hmm. and introverted. I don't mind being, you know, in my office, writing a blog, doing my job uh, I feel whatever like the pandemic the pan i think i really feel like the pandemic changed me because now okay. i i'm an extrovert with introvert tendencies now fair enough and and i agree with you i'm the same way right so yeah. when i am with people i'm still that gregarious extroverted gotta be in the conversation gotta be the the life of the party kind of person mm-hmm. but i'm perfectly fine being by myself yep me too Right. So, Me too. Yeah. I, I get all my jokes too. Well, you have to. 
I know. If you don't get your jokes, nobody else will. <laughs> if you're if you're cracking yourself up, what the hell else are you doing, right? I mean, <laughs> but hey, I get me. I'm the mayor of Jody Town. Well, I, get I, me. I would hope so, right? <laughs> right. But Jody Town's a fun. One. Jody Town's a fun place to be, and Jody Town's always been a fun place to be. We it's, have an eight thirty curfew, though. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's but it's 10:30 now for you. So there. How, how about that? You know, and you're probably going to have another it, white russian before you call it a night. Oh my gosh, is it New Year's? I'm up so late. Oh right? God. I know. I well, know. we'll see what we do is we celebrate at 9. So Yeah. Right, cuz it's it's midnight everywhere else on the East Coast and we're watching idiot Ryan Seacrest do his bad Dick Clark impression. Uh, uh, right. So, and then Anderson Cooper getting friggin' totally wasted on live television. Um, you know, it's, it's just, but when it comes to what you're doing and what you're trying to do, the bottom line is if you can do it, you can put yourself out there and just have fun doing it. Never mind the money part of it. Right. And this is the whole, well, and that's, well, and it, yeah, it's that's and that's what it is. I mean, it's just like it's it's fun and it's um, like I said, it's a it's a real um, it's an honor uh, when somebody calls me and says, you know, hey, I've got I I want you to do this show. I mean, it's 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 just great. It really touches me a lot when people think of me and ask me to be but, a part of what they're creating. But you don't so, want people touching you a lot. Well, I have no problem with personal space. It's fine. Well, that's a different thing. Well, potato, potato. Fine. (laughs) I'm 52. I don't get much action. (laughs) 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 That's a lot of detail there. Uh, That's that that side road we took a long time ago. Uh, Right. But no, it's, it's funny because, again, right. I mean, I know you, you like to just create and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's creative expression. It's self-expression. It's why, yes. it's why I write. I continue to write a blog. I had a, a short story published not that long ago. It's why I write books. It's all about yeah. self-expression, right? I mean, I do yes. like public speaking, but I don't think I could write jokes and tell jokes on a stage. I mean, I've hosted this, that, or the other thing. I've done, you know, hosted talent shows. I've even been an auctioneer. Um, you know, all kinds of dumb shit uh, with a microphone in my hand. But Well, the only way to know whether you could or not is to try it. Well, that's true, right? And I've thought about you, it. It's crossed my mind. Not, I mean, you're not going to be a pro the very first time. Well, you were. And, huh? You were. No, no way. Oh, oh, my God, no way. No. Um, the, I I look at pictures of that night, and it's like, oh, my God, how cringy was that? Um, but the great thing about it is if you can, you know, I feel like I have, I feel like every time I do a show, I get a little bit better. And I have, and I look at people who have been doing this for 20 and 25 years it's like i it's just crazy well so, we need to go know. in on this this comedy club that that has the headliner at 5 30 called early birds 100 percent. i'm with um, you and we can you know i can do the the social media and the digital like marketing and, and put the website together and and then you could be like the all the time headliner and you know 
it'd be great. Oh, yeah. I I wouldn't even need to do that just to be a, just to be a part of it, just to you know, because that would be boring if I was all. The, well, all but the you have to do a set around. every now and again. You can't just not. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm I'm with you. We got we got to put that together. Um, yeah. Right. So. For those stand-up comedy fans listening in the Midwest, if there are any, where can we find Jody McDermott and her comedy stylings? Oh my gosh! Well, let's see. Um, when is this podcast going to be? Tonight. It's airing tonight. Oh my god! It's, it's live. Oh shit! Not live, oh. but it will be published tonight. Oh, okay. Um, well, this Sunday, the 27th of February, I'll be in Columbus. Ooh, the state yeah. capital. I know. And then um, the next thing I have is April. I don't have anything yet um, in March. But April, I'll be at Newark, Ohio, um, 31 West. I'm, I get to do a feature for, um, or I'm doing a guest spot at a really good show. So, um, yeah, so, and I'm hoping to get, I need to, to get back and do some more open mics and, you know, going to open mics, it's just like, um, you know, doing your sit-ups at the gym, you gotta, gotta work do out it. your comedy muscle. Yeah. Yep. You gotta get that stretching in. Yep. And work out new jokes. And so that's good. Cause you know, I, I, my, uh, just headlining my living room you know my my husband is my heckler and, and i gotta sleep with him so yeah i can see jack heckling t heckling he does he's a big heckler uh, yeah yeah i can see that absolutely yeah and he's, I know. he's like you think you're funny eh. yeah <laughs> get in the kitchen and make me a pie woman <laughs> yeah yeah go make me a sandwich uh and then he's like oh it's hilarious that you think you can um, but, but you know what? I will be on the lookout for every leg lamp I can find. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, we, we will, uh, keep note of the fact you got to put that in your will that when, uh, when you finally do pop off that, uh, you want to be cremated and your remains stored in a leg lamp. Yeah. Cause we could totally make that happen. Either that or they, I just want um, my coffin to be a plywood box that says Fragile. Fragile. It must be Italian. That might be better. It's Italian, isn't that? Yeah, it is. Right. It's a major award. It's a major award. I want it. Uh, maybe it's a All bowling right. alley. Um, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, Jody. It's been a blast having you on the program again. Well, thank you for the. It's always a pleasure to be nominated. <laughs> this isn't a major award. You've made it. You, you've you've I arrived. Know. You've been on the show, and you've been on the show twice now, which were your very congratulations. I did it. Yay. Yeah, the, the trophies in the mail. Uh, the bifecta. That's what I. You know, Absolutely. I'm a bifecta guest. Yeah, you know it's it, it's great because. Knowing you the way I do, and just just exchanging missives and barbs and one-liners, <laughs> to know that you have taken all of that and put it on stage 
<laughs> you know, to be your friend and and to know you as long as I have, I'm very proud of the oh. fact you were able to take that and and turn oh. it into something. It, it's really oh, a testament thanks. to you. Well, it's kind of well, thank you, but it's kind of like um, a really bad clay pot in the fourth grade art show. Um, but I'll take it. It's good. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you've been on the Get the Knack podcast twice, so chalk that up. Like I said, feather in the cap, feather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pigeon feather, but you know, whatever. Um, Whatever they are, rats with wings. It's fine. Rats with wings, absolutely. So that's gonna do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast for my very very special guest, stand up comedian extraordinaire. The fastest quip in the Midwest, Jody McDermott. I have been Jerry Knack. We'll talk to you next week.